Let's open our Bibles, if you will, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 41. And let's read verse 45. Genesis 41, verse 45. And we've read it before, but, but there's about three or four of the points that we want to make concerning this verse. We've already given you two or three of them, I think, on that very same verse. But it says, And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnathaniah, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. So we see here the next statement that Joseph's marriage, this is number 56, if you're writing these down, Joseph's marriage was arranged by Pharaoh. That was custom in those days to give certain ones special privilege, of, especially those uh, governors and rulers, special privilege of someone to marry their daughter. And uh, this wasn't his daughter, but it was uh, the daughter of uh, Potipharia, the priest of On. And this was arranged by Pharaoh. And, of course, we know uh, Potiphar as well. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. So the main point here we want to make is that Joseph's marriage was arranged by Pharaoh. That's Genesis 41, verse 45 that we just read. Now then, we get over in the New Testament. A reference to that is in Matthew 22, verse 11. Look at Matthew 22 and verse 11. Well, let's read before we get to that. Let's begin reading 8. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they that were bidden were not worthy. Now, this is the king that made a wedding. Well, uh, verse 2 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And then he sent these servants forth to call and buy, uh, bid those to the wedding. But let's pick it up with verse 8. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways. Now, notice as we read this that the arrangements were made by this king for the wedding of his son. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. So this man that, verse 11, is the key to beginning here of what we need to study. He couldn't get in without proper dress. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. So we find that here, speaking of the king, which would have reference to the heavenly father, making a wedding for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, those that are not ready to go in when the final time comes of his marriage will not and not clothed in proper clothing, the wedding garment, which we'll find in Revelation 19. I'll read it in just a moment. That the saints have to be prepared with garments uh, of fine linen, clean and white. Let's turn to Revelation 19. And verse 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice to give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself ready to her, to her and this is, these are the saints of God that are uh, saved and cleansed by the blood of Christ. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. So, those that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, we know have to be dressed in the proper 
wedding garments. And so you have those two references. By the way, if you want uh, Matthew 22, verse 11, that's the basic passage. And then Revelation 19, beginning with verse 7 through 9, the verses we just read. So we find that the main point we made is that Joseph's marriage was arranged by Pharaoh. Just as, just as Christ's marriage, the marriage supper of the Lamb, is arranged by God the Father for His only begotten Son. And that will take place in due time. Alright, another one. In uh, Genesis 41, verse 46. 41, verse 46. Let's read it. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, notice the first part of this verse because we have some more about it. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So, let us make the statement here. Number 57 of the types. Number 57. And we find that Joseph was 30 years old when he began his life's work. And so was Jesus. So was Jesus. So, let's look in Luke 3, verse 23, if you want to see this. Luke 3, verse 23. Right after his baptism. Let's read verse 22, if you will. Verse 21, 22, and 23. Uh, You have Luke 3, verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descending in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice from heaven came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. And, of course, the rest of the verse, being as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Of course, he was not the son of Joseph, but as was supposed, they supposed him to be. But the main point I want you to have is that in verse 23, it states the simple fact that Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. And immediately, of course, after his baptism, he began his public ministry. He began his life's work. And so, number 57 in our types, we just made the statement that Joseph was 30 years old when he began his life's work. And so, Jesus was 30 years old when he began his life's work. Up until he presented himself on the scene and at the age of, of 30 and uh, was baptized. And then he began, he was tempted in the wilderness. And then he began, he went out into Galilee and he began to preach and he picked up what uh, John the Baptist had preached before him. Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And his forerunner had preached that same, that message and prepared the way for the Lord. And so Jesus began to preach that same thing. Now then, that was number 57. Now number 58, and you also find it in 41 verse 46. Hold your place in chapter 41 because there's a lot of times, two or three points in the same verse. So, 41 verse 46, I want you to see this, that Joseph went forth on his mission from Pharaoh's presence. Look at the last part, verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. So, he went out from the presence of Pharaoh to do the work and carry out the mission that he was called to do. So, the... Fifty-eighth statement we give you is Joseph went forth on his mission from Pharaoh's presence. We find that Jesus did the same thing. He went forth from uh, his father's presence on his mission. I'll give you a couple of passages in Luke. There's Matthew and everywhere, but I'll give you those in Luke since we already referred to 3 verse 23. 
But look at 3 verse 22, which we just read. Luke 3 verse 22. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice from heaven which said, there came, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we find that he was sent forth at this time. And then he goes into the wilderness temptation in chapter 4. Look at chapter 4, verse 1 of Luke, while you're over in Luke. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit. After his baptism, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so then he was tempted by the devil. In verse 13, he says, When the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. But look at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He began to, to preach. By the way, he preached his first sermon right there. So, what do we find? The statement we made as that Joseph went forth on his mission from Pharaoh's presence. Just as Jesus, after being baptized, the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And he went forth. First thing that happened after his baptism, he was tempted of Satan. He proved himself to be an overcomer there in the wilderness. And then he went forth on the, the work that God called him to do. And he preached in the synagogues. And we find that he preached uh, everywhere he went. And he took up the theme that John the Baptist, his forerunner, had uh, started, which was what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And John was the forerunner of Christ to prepare the way of the Lord. We studied that in Sunday school this morning, that he is to prepare the way of the Lord. All right, that's number 58. Now I'll give you 59. 59. Joseph's service was an active and itinerant one, we find that it was active and itinerant. Uh, and let's look at chapter 41, verse 46 again. And it tells us that he went throughout all the land, went over all the land of Egypt. So he kept on going from one place to another. Let me give you two references here. Matthew 4.23 and Matthew 9.35. There are so many places that you could verify these, but let's look at Matthew 4, verse 23, and see what it says. 4.23 says this, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the, of the kingdom, and healing all matter of, manner of sickness and all matter of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, those which were possessed with devils, those which were lunatic. And those that had palsy, and he healed them. And then the, you'll find in Matthew 9, if you will, look at Matthew 9, and the verse uh, 35 says this, And Jesus went about all... This is another situation later on, and it's a continuation of the thought. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So he was very busy and he kept on from one place to another. Just as Joseph went out throughout all the land of Egypt, he pictured the work of Jesus as he went out through all the land uh, of Galilee and Syria and wherever he went, the Bible teaches that he did. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. 
You know, the saddest thing among in the Christian world today is people uh, that are scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. First of all, they need to come to the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they need a, a local shepherd. They need a local church where they can be shepherded or fed and guided in a local congregation. And Jesus was moved with compassion because these people, this multitude was just scattered as sheep having no shepherd. And then what did he say? Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. I don't believe that this uh, desire of Jesus is outdated today. That we could still pray that the Lord would send forth labors into his harvest because we need them, don't we? All right, now back in the book of Genesis, chapter 41. The next one, that was number 59 we gave you about Joseph's service being active. And now number 60, you find it in 41, Genesis 41. Hold your place there and it won't be so hard to find. And let's look at verses 47, 47 through 49. And and in the seven plenteous years... The earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in, uh, in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. And what do we find here? Is This is number 60. Joseph's exaltation to this place of service, well, let's just put it this way, Joseph's exaltation was followed by a season of plenty. By a season of plenty. So that we find that Jesus being lifted up to this place of service, being exalted by the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, led to what? A season of plenty. We know there was a season of plenty during the lifetime of Jesus. There was much fruit that brought, was brought forth during His ministry. And then there was much forth, fruit brought, brought forth in the days of the apostles. Remember on the day of the Pentecost, thousands were saved. And so we find here that uh, His exaltation was followed by a season of plenty. Let me give you a, a uh, reference here. John 12, verse 24. John 12, verse 24. Notice what Jesus said here. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Much fruit. That's John 12, verse 24. Now, what are we talking about? That through Christ's death, much fruit is produced. Many have been saved, born again, and become children of God by virtue of Christ's death. He said in I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to me. That's down in verse 32, by the way. Same chapter. So, his drawing men to him is on the basis of his sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary. So, the much fruit is brought forth by Christ himself. A season of plenty. After he was exalted, you might say, well, how does this picture Jesus exalted? Well, it shows him to be the one and only Savior. It shows him to be sent forth by the Father and taking a place of service that no one else in this world could take. And not only the service, but giving himself as a sacrifice that he gave in order to bring forth the much fruit. So that's the season of plenty. You have to put all these thoughts together to see. Look at verse 24 again. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. I have a sermon on if Jesus had not died. He's that corn of wheat. It abideth alone. Have you ever thought what heaven would be if Jesus had not died? Wouldn't be any. No one could go there. Because it's only through Christ's death and His sacrifice that men are provided a way of salvation. So, what if Jesus had not died? Because it tells us that through His death, this is what prepared the way for man to be accepted and go to heaven. And that's why he said in 12 verse 32, he said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he signified, this he said, signifying what death he should die. So it's through Christ's death. Here's, here's the magnet that draws men to himself, is the cross. You know, have you, some of you taken a magnet, and you can take it there and it'll pick up the iron, won't it? Certain things it will not pick up, and you can tell it's not... It's not iron, but it will draw that to itself. And it's a way to test whether you've got to have metal, proper metal or not. Remember the old, uh, what was it, Model T Fords and some of the old cars that had all these uh, deals in the, uh, I don't know what part of it was, but what they call them, magnetos or something? And you had these circle things that looked like a horseshoe, and, and it was magnetized, and you could just take one of those, and you could just go around and pick up nails and screws and everything if it was iron, but it wouldn't touch some of the other metals. And that's the way you tested them. You could test it and find out if it's some other metal other than iron. I think I'm correct on that, because I can remember at least a part of it. When I was a little boy, I used to carry one around and do things with it. Had those old motors and old cars, and they'd finally become wrecks and tear up the parts of them. In those days, all it took was a pair of pliers and, and a handful of barbed wire out of the field to keep one of them going. But nowadays, you better not open the hood unless you have a technician. That new car I have, I've never opened the hood to it. I don't even know what's under there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be curious one of these days and lift the hood up on it. But anyway, that's the first thing a guy usually does. But I don't know what's under there. But bearing much fruit, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. And then it says, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So we're talking about, back here, a season of plenty. And that was number 59, wasn't it? No, number 60. Number 60, a season of plenty. Even the days of the apostles, by the way, was a season of plenty. Because uh, if you read in Acts chapter 2, look in the second chapter of the book of Acts. I want you to see this. Peter preaching on the day day of Pentecost. And uh, it tells us in verse 41, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people converted at one time. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, their teaching and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And so on. All right, uh, let's see. We've given you number 60, haven't we? Uh, I think that possibly we better take up the other five. It'll just about make one more lesson because I know we won't have time to finish it all tonight. So let's let that suffice for our lesson tonight. Number 60, and we'll pick up with, verse, with number 61 in our next lesson. There's five more of these types, and they become a little, they become very rich as we go along. The last five 
have to do with some pretty rich thoughts. So we thank you for your patience, your kind attention. 